This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Welcome to Tuesday's episode. Today is a mom chat day, and I always get messages saying, can you do more mom chats? So I'm going to try and do more in the future. Usually what I do is I have people write in about a topic they want to talk about, but it's also just a casual chat where I get to know them and find out more about their life, their transition into motherhood and whatnot. So today is two mom chats. One is not a listener. It's actually my friend, Kathy, because if you remember on my Instagram stories, I shared how Milo didn't want to take the school bus anymore. And so I had been driving him and I got a few DMs of people saying, do you really think you should be driving him? You know, when I was a child, I didn't have any options. It was like, you just, you have to get on the bus. You have to go to school. And I understand what people are saying because someone else messaged me and they were like, how do you find the balance of not giving in to your child, but like accommodating them when they don't want to do something versus, you know, teaching them that sometimes in life we have to do things that we don't want to do. And I get it. They were like, you know, if I give in to my kid, then my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law are like, you're setting him up for failure in life. He's not going to understand that, you know, sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do. And like, I get it. I can see both sides of the argument. So Kathy and I have a really good discussion about that exact question. Like, when do you give in to your kid? And I use air quotes, like give in to your kid versus you know, explain to them that there isn't an option. So we get into that. It's really good. And then I talked to a mom named Hitashi and she lives in Miami, which is a coincidence because we were just there. She has a young son and her husband is also a surgeon. So we had lots to talk about there. She relates to a lot of the content that I post. And she had a home birth, which when she wrote in to me saying her husband's a surgeon and she had a home birth, I was like, oh my God, I want to talk to you because my husband's kind of biased, obviously, against home births. So yeah, I was asking her about that, like what her experience was, how her husband responded to that and all that good stuff. So without further ado, guys, please enjoy these two mom chats with first up Kathy and then Hitashi. What was I even talking about on my stories? It was, oh, driving Milo to school. Yeah. So what happened was the day before we left to go to Miami, I brought my mother-in-law with me to the bus stop. Milo has loved taking the bus since day one, which we were not expecting. But anyways, it was like a nice little routine that we had going. And so because we were leaving, I was like, okay, I'm going to take you to the bus stop, like show you how it works, where we go, whatever. So the bus happened to pull, like usually it goes around the block and then comes on the side of the street where we're all standing so that the kids just like hop on. 
But for some reason that morning, it didn't go around the block and it just pulled on the other side of the road. And then it put its like arm thing down for us to cross the street. It was a different driver too. So one of the moms runs over and is talking to the driver and she's like, oh, are you this for like this school and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah. So she like waves and all the buses too have like a sign. Yeah. On the window. So you know if it's the right bus. So it was. So she like calls us all over. So Milo, like every morning, he's like getting his backpack on to like go on the bus. And then I started to walk away a little bit because he got in line with all the kids to get up on the bus. And as soon as he like looked in the bus and I guess it was a different bus driver, he was like, nope, like I'm not going on the bus. So he like runs up beside me and he's like, no, I'm not going. Like he was scared. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. I'll drive you. Like, I was creeped out too. He was on the wrong side of the road. He's a fucking man. Like it's usually this like young woman. So yeah, I was like, okay, I it's get it. It's a stranger. It. It's a stranger to him. And it was just odd. Like the whole routine was, was odd. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, of course this happens the day before we leave. And so my mom ended up like they tried to take him to the bus stop when we were gone. And it was the same thing. He would be happy to go to the bus stop like see all his friends. But once the bus came, he was like, I'm not getting on the bus. So my mom drove him to school the whole time we were gone. They tried to go to the bus stop like two or three times, no, twice. And my mom tried talking to him about it. He was like, (laughs) I think he made up this excuse, but at first he was just saying like, I don't know. I just don't want to go. I don't want to go. And we kept asking like, did something happen on the bus? Like, did you fall out of your seat? Like bump your head? Like, did somebody say something that upset you? Like anything? And he was like, no, no. So now his thing is saying that the bus driver drives too fast. (laughs) (laughs) And like... Driven with his mom. I know that's not a problem. (laughs) I know. And like, whenever we're driving, he's like, mommy, go faster, go faster. I'm like, okay, that's clearly not the problem. Also, the speed limit from our house to the school is 50 the entire way. Like there's no highways, like there's nothing. I mean, it's a good creative answer. I know. And so my husband was like, the other day he was like, Kate, what if we go and talk to the bus driver and tell her to slow down? Like, then will you go on? And he was like, yeah, but like, I know that's not going to happen. So anyways, the other bus driver came back like she was only gone for a day and he still like does not want to get on the bus. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to drive him. So this is what people messaged me. And I love this question because it is like one of these things where you do something and then you catch yourself and you're like, oh, should I be doing this? And like, you don't know. Yeah, I totally get it. But I have thoughts about it. So somebody, so do I. <laughs> yeah. So somebody messaged saying, I'd love to hear your thoughts about when to give in to your kids in air quotes, when to give in to their wants. When I think about my childhood, there were no options. It was get on the bus, period. And then somebody else wrote, which a lot of people can probably relate to. Would you be able to talk about this on your podcast? This is what we're doing. If we do something like this, similar situation, my mother-in-law and even my sister will say, we're not setting a good path for our kids, that they won't learn that sometimes they have to do things they don't want to do. And it's part of growing up to be a functioning adult. It says, 
we're not allowing lessons to be learned and characteristics they'll need to function as an adult or even a teenager. I don't know what to do. They say, I can't always save the day and fix their problems. So I'm setting them up. You know, you get the point. I feel like I I can feel myself wanting to dive into that answer. so (laughs) So she says, I understand what they're trying to say, but what the heck are we supposed to do? It's funny. And I just recorded an episode with Carrie and this came up like about how right now, like my perspective is Milo's four. It's the same thing like with him not wanting to play soccer and just like sitting on our lap. And you know what I mean? It's like, Some people are like, oh, you paid money for it? Like, he would be going. And I'm like, the money's already fucking gone. Like, that's a non-issue. It's like when you order something at a restaurant or like takeout, you go home and it's shit. What are you going to do? Make yourself eat it because you paid for it? It's like, no, the money's already gone. So it's like, you either have the food and stuff it down your face and not enjoy it and be out $20, or you can just be out $20 and not eat disgusting food. Right. But because you can, and I think that's an important qualifier here. So like you cannot eat the food because you can afford to buy other food. It's not, that's not your only meal that's available for you that day. And I feel the same thing comes with those activities and that kind of thing. So yeah, the money's already gone. It's already spent, but I am in a privileged position that I didn't have to scrimp and save. And that's like the one activity my kid gets to do this year. And so, yeah, you're going to go. So I just like, I feel like that's important to address like off the top that having these options to go or not go eat it or not eat it come from a certain level of privilege, but I think that's important. And then I think the next question is like, why do our kids have to experience the same struggles we did? And they have new struggles that they're going to have to face and different challenges. And you're not rescuing them, quote, all the time. You are maybe eliminating one struggle, but there's still going to be others. And so for me, it's like, what is the goal right now? So for Milo, in your example, it's like right now the goal is to go to school. That's the non-optional piece. The bus because of your flexible work situation, is an option. You are not someone who has to be at work by 7 a.m. on the dot and has to get your kid on the bus. You are privileged in that. And so if it's not something that has to be that way, then why not then take this opportunity for your kid to learn that you listen to them, you hear their concerns, you understand their boundaries, and you're willing to accommodate them. Yes. I think the lesson here is that you have a parent who listens to you. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume 
consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. Yesterday, when I went to drive Milo to school, he had a meltdown at drop-off, which has never happened. So obviously, I felt terrible But that was a situation where I could not accommodate. Like, there's no option here. Like, you have to go to school. So I left. Did I feel shitty all day and just want to go pick him up? Yes, I did. But like, he was fine. Once the teacher said, once the bell rang and they all went inside, he was fine. But that was an example of there is no option for this one. But yeah, for me, in my mind, I'm like, he's four. Like life is hard enough. If I'm able to accommodate him for certain things that are stressing him out or like struggles, I am lucky that I can do that. 100%. And it's the same for me with Addie. Like some days she doesn't want to go to soccer or gymnastics. And, and I will remind her that there's one time slot you know, this is our chance to go. So if you don't go now, you don't get to go today or tomorrow. Like you'll have to wait till next weekend. And sometimes she chooses not to go. And for me, that's fine because A, the money's already gone. It's not about, you know, what we paid per session. It's like we paid for the, the, the series. I want to encourage her to have, you know, activities that she enjoys, movement that's fun for her. I don't want it to become a burden. So 
if she's really not feeling it, then I feel like I'm teaching her to listen to herself, listen to her body, and that I will also listen to her when she when she brings that up. And then teachable moments do arise later on when she's like, I want to go to gymnastics. You know, it's like, well, you missed it. You said you didn't want to go. And so, you know, it's like, it's not about eliminating a struggle. Sometimes you alleviating one brings up another. <laughs> And, and then it's your job to help them through that struggle. And, and I think that's just part of our, part of our role. So sometimes it's like, there's not an option here. I'm going to help you with your big feelings about having to get on the bus, but I need to be at work and you need to get on the bus, but you know, we can talk about it. I'll help you through it. I'll do things to make it as, as comfortable as possible, but sorry, there's no choice here, but you know, sometimes it's teaching them something else. I feel like once they're older, it's easier to explain. Yeah, explain and have them make decisions that are not just like, oh, in the moment, I don't feel like they're better able to understand. At four, like, I just feel like. Yeah, Addie's three, like, same thing. Because at the same time, like, you want your child to know that you're like a safe space. You're, like you said, like listening to their concerns and taking it seriously. And, you know, down the road, if something's upsetting Milo, I don't want him to be like, oh, well, they're not going to do anything about She's it She's going to dismiss it. Yeah. Dismiss it and just like force me to do whatever. So I might as well not even... No, someone messaged me. I should have screenshot that DM too. Someone messaged something similar to that about how like, so often kids' concerns are not taken seriously and it can lead to like problematic, you know, like them not coming to you when something serious is going on. Like, who knows? Like, yeah, okay, there was a creepy man on the bus. Like, you know, I'm going to be like, no, like, just go. Like, your feelings don't matter. (laughs) 100%. And I'm, I think, probably even more highly alert to this in raising a girl Because I think about teaching her that her no means something and that she has power, you know, a certain extent, like to a certain extent over her body and her actions and what she does on a day-to-day basis. And I want that lesson to carry forward with her into adulthood. And now, yeah, there's going to be some things that are not optional. Like, yeah, you need to bathe a few times a week. You need to go to school. You need to be wearing clean clothes. But you know, what you're wearing, when you go, what activities you do sort of extracurricular right now, like these are things that can be a choice. So why shouldn't I teach her that she has a say over, over what she does? And I feel like that past generation idea of like, well, you said you were going to do it. So off you go. Like, yeah, that's maybe fine for an eight, 10, 12 year old, but I don't know, at three and four, do they really understand what they're signing up for long-term, what they've really sort of consented to, so to speak. I don't think it's fair for that to be a a one yes means you have to go to all 12 sessions versus making a decision on a day-to-day. Like, totally. Like, this whole thing about sports, I'm sorry, but was I doing sports at age four? Probably not. Like, I'm pretty sure I was just following my brother to his sports and he was like eight or nine. Like, when did all of this start? Like, your child being in multiple sports at age like three and four. Yeah. And for me, like I do it because I want to introduce her to 
different fun activities. I want her to learn how to control her body. She's also somebody who has a lot of energy. And so it's like these activities are just a way for, it's like a half break for me because you're there assisting, but like there's coaches and it helps her channel the energy, right? So there's lots of positives, like, you know, listening to another adult, following instructions, like routine, like socialization. There's so many positives. But I'm looking at it from a perspective of like, okay, so you go every once in a while and it's a casual thing, not this like, you get on the field and you you don't <laughs> touch the ball with your hands. <laughs> don't touch the ball with your hands. Like, like parents are not okay when yeah. it comes to toddlers sports. And so for me, I was like, when Milo wouldn't play soccer and he would just come and sit on our lap. At first I was like so embarrassed and I felt like, oh my God, what is going on? Like, is there something wrong here? Like, and I had to be like, okay, Renee, this is your own issue. Like he's four. This is normal. Yeah. I relate. Like last year we started Addie in soccer and her first day, she just painted the mud all over her body. And I was like, yeah, well, like you're two and a half. Like, why wouldn't you? (laughs) (laughs) And that's also what I thought. So Milo was pretty much four years old for soccer. And then my husband and I were like, or pre, I keep forgetting who I'm talking to. And well, you're talking to a lot of people. Yeah. We were like, some of these kids, this is probably like their second year or third year playing soccer. Like this is his first experience doing something like this. So, okay. If you want to sit on our lap for half the, (laughs) the time, like fine. I mean, this is Addie's third round with gymnastics and she still refuses due to the warm up. Like absolutely refuses, sits down and pouts the whole time. And it's just, it's just funny. Like we know she's not going to do it. We do it. She sees us do it. And then once they start with the actual gymnastics part, well, then she's right in there, you know, but like, if you're not into it, I'm not going to force you. I know. Cause then you're sucking the enjoyment out of it and it becomes like this negative thing. Like when we go to basketball, when it's unstructured and it's just everyone is arriving and kids are just playing, bouncing the ball, like throwing it in the nets. He's having the time of his life. Like he doesn't care that we're on the sidelines, like nothing. But as soon as the coaches come in and they blow the whistle and it's like, everybody come here and like, we're going to like do our stretches and run around the gym. It's like, no, it's not happening. And unless we do every single thing with him, he doesn't want to do it. I mean, I think people forget to zoom out. I think that's the thing. Like, what's the goal? What's the lesson? And like, does that really have to be the lesson right now? And so like, yes, going to school is the lesson. Taking the bus, maybe not right now. Maybe next year that's your battle, but not right now. And that's okay. For like the basketball thing, it's hard because Pri and I, like we love basketball. It's so cute seeing all the kids and their little jerseys and their little fucking like MJ shoot. Like it's just the cutest thing ever. But like, we can't put that on him, you know? And so for me, I'm like, if we go a few times and, you know, he luckily at basketball, they have little nets to the side. Cause I think they know a lot of the kids just want to like play around and not follow the instructions. So he goes with like his little friend that lives down the road and they just play on one of like the little side nets. And I'm like, Look, that's they enough play basketball. for me. Like yeah. that is so 
Like he's playing with his little friend. Like it's something to do on Sunday morning. Like we'll get Timbits on the way home. Like, you know, that's the goal is just like, let's go have fun like Sunday morning. But yeah, we have to stop putting our own like shit on it. And then at the same time, when people are like, when I was growing up, I, there was no option. It's like, okay. And how did you, how did that make you feel? And how did that work out for you? Cause yeah. I've been in therapy for two years. <laughs> Yeah. So let's uh, take a moment to reflect. (laughs) Like, I mean, I think about like I was in grade 11 and I was doing calculus and I was struggling. I always struggled in math and I had a tutor and I spent lunch hours with the teacher and I still wasn't getting it. And I was crying every day and it was pulling down my average. And I was like so anxious that that meant I wasn't going to get into university that I wanted to get into. Like my mom pulled me out. That wasn't the battle. It was like, you don't need this course to graduate, so stop. Like, why are you making yourself miserable? And I feel that way about gymnastics and soccer and taking the bus and whatever the case may be when it's an option. It's funny. I just got an email for like someone like pitching to come on the podcast and she's a psychotherapist and she does a lot about like the pressure on teenagers, especially to achieve nowadays and like the pressure that parents put on teenagers. And I was like, I love this topic. Like, this is awesome. And people are always in shock when I'm like, oh yeah, like I had a full scholarship to like university in Florida and my, I wanted to leave. And so my parents were like, okay, like, do you want us to book you a flight? Like, I mean, like your parents are, they're, they're a little different than other parents of the nineties and early two thousands, you know, but like they, they didn't were progressive. know. No, I know, but they're progressive nonetheless. Like, no. like that would have been like tough shit. You're doing this, but that would have just made me miserable. My mental health would suffer. I I was not okay. Like, like I had great parents, but you know, some of those things would have been non-optional where like for me, I I view it differently with Addie. And maybe we learned down the road that like, I don't know, maybe I should have forced her, but I don't see that being the case. Yeah. I don't either, but anyhow. All right. Well, thanks for this mom chat. This mom rant. Maybe next time we can do like a full fledged podcast. I mean, I'm curious to hear, like, what, after you post this episode, like, I want to hear people's thoughts. Like, you and I agree. I want to hear, like, people who have their own views where it's like, no, no, you need to go. I want to I wanna hear, I want to see those comments. So, like, if people are part of the Facebook group, like, chime in. Let's post a question. And I want to hear what people think about this. Yeah, because I love having discussions like this. And I love when people ask Because I'm just like going about my day, like doing things that feel right to me. And I love when people question it and they're like, yeah, but can you talk about this? And I'm like, fucking right. I can like, I love thinking about it. Shaming way. Exactly. Curiosity. And I love that. Well, thanks for this. I'll keep you posted on my nail appointment. Well, I'll text you literally in 30 seconds and yeah. Okay. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. 
And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. So, okay, your name is Hitashi? Hitashi, yeah. Okay. And where are you located? I'm in Miami, Florida. Oh, you're the one that was in Miami. Okay. I knew I was talking to someone today that was in Miami and I was like, oh my God, how like coincidental because we were just there. So are you like close to South Beach? I used to be. It's actually funny. We used to be in Brickell, like downtown. And then we moved a little bit away in the suburbs once we had our son. So... Yeah, actually the hotel that you stayed at, it was so funny watching your stories because we spent our wedding night there and like two days after that. So the pool and everything, it just reminded me of that time. And I love that hotel. I think it's amazing. Oh, yeah. I was like, I knew that my husband would be at the conference for most of the days. So I was like, I need a hotel that's really nice because I'm going to be there all day. So yeah, it was beautiful. So you have one child? Yes. Yes. He's 20 months old. Yeah. A son. So he's almost two. And you were saying that your husband is a surgeon as well? Yeah. He does like surgical oncology. Okay. Yeah. So I relate a lot to all of your content about husbands being physicians, the default parent, and then like, okay, I got to go. And like, I'm just like, don't do that. Like I'm always relating to that. And yeah. I relate a lot to all of your content. I'm like one of your, probably one of your biggest fans. Oh, that's so nice. Thanks. Yeah. Where was your husband in his training? Like, was he already working full-time as a surgeon when you had your son? Yes. Okay. What were you doing before having your son? 
I work in a school. I used to work in a school. It's called uh, Miami Sudbury School. I know you're from Sudbury, yeah. so it's like the same name, but it's like an educational approach. It's a very alternative school. I was just working there as a staff member and I took off like a month before I had my son. Okay. And you haven't been back since? No, I tried going back, but I just, I'm just off. Like he just started Montessori. I feel like my life is getting back to normal or I have more time. I had Milo on a Friday and then my husband was back at work on Monday. Was that similar? Mm, No, no. He took two weeks off, but it was vacation. He gets a month of vacation every year. So he had to take two weeks off vacation. There was, there's no such thing as paternal leave at all. Right. My husband was saying how it's different in the U.S. for physicians. So in Canada, they're considered self-employed. So like technically, my husband could take off time, but you just don't get any money. And you kind of have to find someone to take over your practice or take over your call. Is your husband on call a lot? Yeah, maybe two or three weekends in a month. So... Yeah, like he probably gets two weekends off and two weekends he's on call, something like that. Yeah, it's a lot, but he doesn't have to go in a lot. It's usually the worst time that he has to go in. Like we had a big Diwali party for Diwali and he got called in. So he missed the entire party. And I was like, why didn't you just like switch call or something? But yeah, it's it's the worst timing that he has to get called in. <sighs> I relate to this so much. Where my husband works, he's the only urologist. So there's like perks to that, but then there's also downsides. So he can make his call schedule. Like he's in charge of everything because he's just managing himself. But at the same time, he's on call a lot. And it's like, oh, you know, and it's like, you know this going into it, but Once you have a child, I feel like when it's just you at home, like it doesn't matter. You're like, okay, go do whatever you have to do. But once there's a child, it's like, yeah, the default parent thing. And the one that always has to be flexible and like, that's a big thing. And just to know that, like, I kind of had to wrap my head around and I still do that. Like his job will always come first. Yeah. My husband does not like to believe that. He he denies it and he's like, no, family comes first. And I'm, I said, okay, if you have to go in, can you not? You do. So he he's in denial. He's still in denial. Yeah, I know. Because it's like, if they're homesick, it doesn't matter. They're not going to stay home from work. It's not the kind of job where you can just be like, oh, someone will cover for me. Or like, you can't really cancel surgeries unless it's, you know, life or death situation. So that's always in the back of my mind. Like his job will always come first and whatever I have going on doesn't matter. Yeah, you can reschedule. (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally. So you messaged me saying that you had a home birth Mm -hmm. and that your husband's a surgeon. So I was like, oh my God, I must talk to her because my husband would, I don't want to say like he wouldn't let me have a home birth, but like, He is so biased about home birth. Obviously, like he works in a hospital. He's like a trained physician. He's also a urologist. So 
he sees anything that would go wrong, like he has to go in and fix anything that has to do with like the bladder or which like, you know, a lot of stuff happens in that area when you're giving birth. So yeah, he's just biased and it was never even like something that I considered, but now I'm learning so much more about it and like seeing, like I have friends that have done it and I'm just like, oh my gosh. So how did that come about for you guys? Was it your idea? Like, was he like supportive of it? I actually spoke to him about it before I was even pregnant and we were not trying or anything. And I watched this documentary called The Business of Being Born. I don't know if you've heard about it. I think most home births begin with that. Okay, I watched this documentary. That's (laughs) me. I'm that person. I watched it and I started talking to, to him about, you know, birth in North America. And at first he was kind of defensive of hospitals and doctors, not hospitals, mostly doctors. And then later on, you know, it's it's not their fault exactly. It's not the OBGYN's fault. It's the system that it's the needs. system. Yes, it's the system. Like I also read this book called Cut It Out, the C-section epidemic or something. And that it really explains. But in the beginning, he was really defensive and he was like, Oh, what are you saying? You know, why would they why would they do something? Why would they do a C-section if it's not necessary? Why would they give you this if it's not necessary? And then I dropped it at that moment because I didn't know much. It was just one documentary. And then I actually got pregnant. And then we went and saw an OB in a hospital. And he was like really well known and really good. And we just, our experience there, we just felt like I had to wait for like two hours. Like both of us, were we were there for two hours. He saw us for five minutes, maybe 10 minutes. And then I brought it up and I was like, you know, if I have a home birth and if I have a midwife, it's not going to be like this. I'm I'm young, I'm healthy. I'm a good candidate to have a home birth. And I got pregnant in the pandemic. So I wouldn't have like, I wouldn't be able to have a doula. I wouldn't be able to have my mom. I would it only supports. get like one support person. And I was all about, I want my tribe. You know, I want everyone around me. I want to feel... So that's when we started talking about it. And he he got on board. But I think the annoying part about having a home birth and my husband's a surgeon I would tell people and they would be like oh and then they would look at my husband and be like oh it's good that he's a surgeon and then I was like I'm pushing the baby out and he's not going to be able to cut me open at home it's it doesn't help that everyone would be like oh it probably helps that your husband's a surgeon and I was like no it's probably worse because he's going to be more nervous He's going to be more like, oh my gosh, what's happening? He, he, it's like his wife and he is watching me like struggle with like, yeah, it's emotional. super emotional. So everyone just thought, oh, I have it easy because I, he's a surgeon. So I had that, which was very annoying. So I had my husband and my sister in the hospital room with me. She's a nurse and he's a physician. And I think the benefit of, having him there was, I was probably like, they knew my husband, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So obviously there's like a little bit of bias there. And I just felt more comfortable because he knew them. He knows the hospital. He knows like, you know, if we have to call another doctor in. Yeah. So that was the one benefit. And because they 
don't get as worked up in medical situations. Like they've seen so much. So that was comforting. But tell me about how the home birth process went and like pain wise, like how long did it take? Like all that stuff. I think I would say it was around 12 hours. I I started having mild contractions at midnight, like Sunday midnight. And only around 5 a.m. they started really close together. And I had him at 5.30 in the evening. So the entire day, my doula came in, my midwife came in. My doula was amazing. I would not have been able to do it without her. She was just key to like pain management and, you know, all of the counter pressure stuff, massages. And it got pretty intense, I think, post 12 noon. And I had something like called the cervical lip where the baby's head is pushing, like something's wrong with the cervical lip, I think. And I had to like do this position on the bed where I had to stay in that position without moving for an hour. And that was very intense. I think that was the most intense part of my labor. But then, and then I just started getting sleepy because I hadn't been Like I didn't get any sleep all night. I woke up at midnight and I just didn't sleep. And I was just like, I just want to take a nap right now. (laughs) Can I just get a break? Like that would have been really nice if I had like an epidural or something. But I think that motivated me to, okay, I got to do it. And like laying in that position helped because then I just was 10 centimeters after that one hour of intensity. And then I was pushing for like an hour or so, which is a lot, I think. And... Yeah, I just I just pushed him out. It was really intense. I'm not going to lie. I said many times, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do this. And my midwife had told us that once you say that, it's going to happen soon. So I started saying that at like 8 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> and my husband was like, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. She's saying it. And I was actually just saying it. <laughs> You're like, get him out. <laughs> I know. But it worked out and I I had him. So if you were to be pregnant again, would you opt for a home birth again? Yes. Yeah. See, that's so interesting. And did you think that right away? Maybe in a few weeks, because I was just processing what happened. And, you know, now, you you know, you kind of forget everything. And when when I say this to my husband, he's like, really? It was pretty intense. Like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I did it, right? I did it. So... I think it was really beautiful, but the only thing is because I had him in the evening, everyone was there for like three to four hours after that, cleaning up and assisting breastfeeding and like all of that. And they left, my doula left, my midwife left and her assistant left. And it was just my husband, me, this brand new little being that's next to us and my mom. Luckily, my mom was there. And everyone left and it was just my my husband fell asleep immediately <laughs> of course as surgeons do as surgeons do yes oh yeah. my god you, like you think that's a surgeon thing like he just lays down and he's out like the rage that it causes me even if we're like watching tv because I can't fall asleep anywhere like I have to have everything in order like my sound machine like the perfect temperature like everything and no noises but if we're laying on the couch watching a show and I hear him like (laughs) 
I'm like, wake up or go to bed. Like, get out of here. Don't sleep in front of me. It drives me nuts. So I relate to this. Yeah. So he he just fell asleep and the baby's sleeping. Baby's really tired from coming into this world. And I just felt very like in shock. So I had to like call my mom. She's in the next room. And I'm like, mom, can you come sit next to me and like bet my head? And she came in and she was just sitting next to me. And she was just like, it's okay. Like go to sleep. And then I fell asleep. But that I think in the hospital, you have nurses coming in, checking on you, probably. So I didn't have that. You know, I was like, as a first time mom, I think that was like, wow, I feel very like left alone. Did you have anxiety? I did not. The opposite. I think he was just sleeping the entire night. And then I called my midwife the next morning and I'm like, oh, he's just sleeping a lot. And she's like, you have to wake him up and feed him. See, I didn't do that either. Exactly. And nowadays, anyone who's pregnant, I'm like, you know, when you have your baby, the first 24 hours, you have to wake them up. No one tells you this. Do it. Yeah. Then they'd be like, oh, you didn't wake him up. No, never wake a sleeping baby up. Like, why doesn't anyone? And you fall asleep. You're exhausted. Like we were in the hospital. And I think because my husband's a physician, they never came into the room to check on us. So I gave birth to Milo at 8 p.m., So it was perfect timing to go to sleep. So like by the time we got settled in our room, it was like 1030 or something. We all fell asleep. And then the next morning, the nurse walks in and she's like, it's been so quiet in here. Like, is everything going okay? And we're like, we all just slept through the night. And she's like, oh, you have to wake him up. I was like... (laughs) I know the same thing. And then I got super paranoid about it. And I was constantly latching him, which made my nipples just yeah they went to war literally that was a whole different thing but I got paranoid after that about like feeding him but then it it got fine in like three days I think oh geez well how are things going now you said he's is he in daycare or preschool Montessori Montessori. Yeah. yeah and how is that going when did he start in August he was 18 months old that's when they take them And I knew I wanted to just have him start because I think he was ready. He was bored at home with me. I didn't, I'm like, there's only so much I can do (laughs) to engage you. He's super social. He just loved going to school. He still, he still loves it. They start school, school at five there or four? Yeah, I think five. The Montessori school has still sixth grade, but you know, I don't know if we'll have him till sixth grade there because the students start reducing you know they go to public school or regular school so I don't know we're not thinking about that right now and what are you guys thinking do you want more children are you where are you at there I know we're not supposed to ask people this but it's my podcast and I like to ask this question (laughs) right now like many people are asking that same question we definitely want to have at least one more we do it's just how are we going to manage? Like I do drop off and pick up almost every day. How am I going to do that with a newborn? Am I going to put a newborn in the car, my toddler in the car? And like all of those logistics is what I'm worried about because he leaves at 6.45 a.m. for surgery, you know? So those are some things. It's hard because your partner's job is not flexible. So everything is on you. So like I find myself 
like right now struggling with like wanting to have a second one. And I find myself going throughout the day with Milo right now. And I'm like imagining, okay, now if there's a baby here, like you said, what am I going to do? I, every time I have to drive Milo to school, I'm like packing up the baby in the car seat. And I know people just do it and it's fine, but it's hard to not think about think it. about yeah. that and how difficult it could end up being. But yeah, you just do it and you just do it. So, yeah. Yeah. I think after you had the episode with, I forget her name. She had her handle is that darn chat on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's a fair play facilitator. We got the book. He read it first and then I read it. And then I was like, we need to change things up if you want to have another baby. Yeah. Like we need to like things. Interesting. Have to I have that book. I'm going to freaking get my husband to read that. Oh, he read it and he was like, you got to read this. Like half the book is how to speak to your partner. You don't even have to read that bit. Just read the book. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Okay, well, is there anything you want to ask me before we go or tell people that listen to the podcast? I think I'm always telling people that your podcast is like an amazing resource for all moms. I'm constantly sharing it and saying, you got to listen to this podcast. It's just so, such a great resource. Anytime I, I tell my husband, so I was listening to Renee's podcast and she, he's just like, you're obsessed. And I'm like, it's so <laughs> great. <laughs> It's oh, I so love great. That. Like I can't stop. But I think it's amazing what you're doing. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. I love it when people are like, I sent this episode to my husband or like I listened to this episode with my husband. I'm like, oh good. I wonder if my husband secretly listens to the podcast sometimes. I don't know. I'll have probably. to ask him. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. He just doesn't <laughs> tell me. Anyways, well, it was nice to talk to you. And yeah, yeah too bad we didn't do this before Miami. We could have like you know, I know. <laughs> had coffee or something, but my husband, yeah, he might be going back in the new year. So if he does, I will uh, let you know. But my sister lives in Toronto, so I might be visiting. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, message me if you ever come to Toronto. Yes, I will. All I will. right. Thank well, you. Have a good day. You too. Are you looking for a podcast that'll make you laugh? You came to the wrong place. That's not us. That's not us. <laughs> well, it is. We are a husband and wife who chat about raw, real relationship yeah, topics. like sex. Like money. Like marriage and kids. But we're not afraid to talk about how your newborn baby probably isn't as cute as you think it is. If you're in need of entertainment while you're driving to work, because that sucks, we can join you in the suckage, kind of like being in your ear. Not physically. So if you want to laugh, come check us come out. Come check us out. Brought to you by the Laughing Couple Podcast. Ha <laughs> ha!